0: Hello and welcome to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Let's unpack the relationships that we encounter in our daily lives and learn about what makes them tick. And now your host for Red Rock Relationships, Dr. James B. Stein hey that's me welcome back to another awesome episode of red rock relationships and we are continuing our journey away from the dark and spooky which is ironic because it's almost halloween time but we are moving away from them we're going to be talking about some more um positive elements of relational communication uh this week we're going to talk a little bit about culture then we're going to move forward we're going to talk about online dating friends with benefits and then we're going to talk about things like consent so that is how we are finishing off our very first season. And it is my absolute pleasure to introduce our guest for the day, Dr. Tara Tichai Porn. Thank you so much for being here, Tara.
1: Yay. And that was perfect pronunciation. Um, thanks for having me.
0: Happy to have you and happy to practice the pronunciation of your name 15 times in the mirror before we started today.
1: <laughs> Great job.
0: Thank you, thank you. So. Um, much like most of my guests, you are a product of Arizona State University. I'm hoping that we can open in the way that I always open by just hearing a little bit about who you are and what your background in the uh, in the research field is and what interests you so much about what you do, so if you don't mind.
1: Awesome, thank you. So my name is Dr. Tara, or my students call me Dr. Tara, and I am currently an assistant professor in human communication studies at Cal State Fullerton. Uh, I teach interpersonal communication, relational communication, and sexual communication. I am particularly interested in the intersection of relationships and culture because I think culture plays a big role in a person, how we express ourselves, uh, dating, and being in a relationship. So that's my particular interest in terms of researching and just reading more about this topic. Um, I'm originally from Thailand, so any interaction I have with people is an intercultural interaction.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And, um, and and not only are you originally from Thailand, right, but you have a lot of different cultural uh, influences uh, between where you were born and raised and of course the culture of your parents and then of course uh, uh being in the states and living here so no one better to talk about this experience right
1: true i also went to high school in finland so scandinavia mm. was uh, also an entirely different culture
0: yeah well that that gives you such an interesting and vast amount of perspective on this particular issue so i'm not surprised as to why uh, that's the area that you chose to study I've always
1: jokingly say, uh, that I've dated everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good because that's kind of what we want to talk about today. But before we do that, we do need to kind of couch the discussion, uh, in terms of understanding what culture is and what culture is not. So do you think you can maybe walk us through a little bit about how we can define or understand culture and especially understanding it in terms of, uh, relationships?
1: Yes. My pleasure. So defining culture is, it's complex, but the simplest definition that I always use is that it's the characteristics of a group of people with a similar set of values, beliefs, behaviors, norms, and language. So it's safe to say culture is not the same as race. Um, So, for example, uh, if you're... um, white or Caucasian, you can be white American with lots and lots of generations in the US, and you can be a white German. Um, They're both Caucasians, but very different culturally. So, intercultural dating is uh, dating between Partners that are from different culture, not necessarily just different race. However, we also have a term inter, uh, interracial dating, um, which m- means that uh, the two partners are from different race. So we can say intercultural in a broader sense because I think it's more inclusive. Intercultural dating includes a lot of people, uh, whereas interracial dating is just based on race.
0: Okay, so, all right. So I'm gonna just a couple of rap, rapid fire questions here. Just give me a yes or a no. Is it possible right. to be in an interracial relationship that is not an intercultural relationship? No. Interesting. Is it possible to be in an intercultural relationship that is not an interracial relationship? Yes. Oh, so there's the big distinction there, right? So in so what I'm hearing is that in order to be, um, in an interracial relationship. By definition, you're, you're meshing cultures, right? Yes. Okay, all right. So race yes. and culture are in fact different. Um, yes. I think a lot of people use the word race, ethnicity and culture interchangeably. Can we talk just for a brief moment about why that might not be the best thing to do?
1: Yeah, um, because, you know... (laughs) I
0: can hear the exhaustion in your voice. as You have to explain this all the time.
1: (laughs) That's okay. Uh, I love talking about it. Uh, I I always say culture is the most inclusive way to talk about it because, you know, if you say, well... um, you're Thai, you're dating a, a Chinese man. That shouldn't be difficult. You're both Asian. Oh, yes, we yeah. do share the same race. We're both Asians. But it is highly complex because our cultural backgrounds are very different. Thai culture and Chinese culture are very different. Um, so I always tell my students to use the word culture and intercultural dating and intercultural communication rather than race. Mm. Uh, race is typically defined by physical characteristics, ancestors, and like regions. So, like I said, an example, I'm Thai and if I'm dating a Chinese person that we're both, we're the same race, but we're different culture.
0: Right. Right. And then ethnicity of course, uh, is uh, even further complicates that, right? Because ethnicity has a little bit more to do with like where you're from. Whereas race can be a little bit more performative. You can downplay or, uh, prop up elements of your racial identity, but you cannot necessarily change your ethnicity. Uh, so right. I think so. so- And when we, when we get into relationships, these elements are present. Like a lot of people like to say things like, oh, well, I don't see color or like, you know, (laughs) well, cultural differences don't matter that much to me. Like love is love and and like whatever that is. But I think we need to go off on a little tangent here and talk about why it's so important to acknowledge that race, culture, and ethnicity are real factors that contribute to a relationship. So can we do that?
1: Yes. One hundred percent, um, fun fact. Interracial dating in the United States actually rose a lot in the 60s is it was only 3% and recently it's 17% So 17% of 300 something million people in the u.s. It's 50 about 50 million people that are experiencing this so we're talking about exp- personal experience daily life experience of 50 million people mm-hmm. um so to say, you know, oh, I don't see your culture, I don't see your color, um, I think it's, uh, it's a dishonor to like, uh, how complex a person is and what they bring to the table when you're dating them. Um, I think it's highly important to actually acknowledge where they're coming from, their heritage, uh, perhaps their expectations and norms due to their culture. So 100%, uh, it plays a huge role in dating and we should never say we don't see color, there's no problems with cultures, there will always be some conflict and differences.
0: And I'm so glad you brought up those statistics because I know exactly where they came from because I found them in my, you know, pre podcast research myself. That's Pew research from 2015. Those numbers are amazing. 17% up from three, Uh, a a dramatic increase. And that's just of newlyweds that doesn't even include people who are dating. So the number is likely much, much, much higher in terms of people who are in these relationships Um, now. So we've sort of discussed why this matters and we're gonna get to it uh, uh, in a little bit more detail later on. I'm gonna talk about some of the more troubling aspects related to that, but um, let's stay, maybe let's stay with like the warm and fluffies for a little bit longer. Let's talk about dating, right? We've established that culture, ethnicity, race, these elements are important. They help make up our identity and they contribute to who we are as we approach a relationship. And as we get into these relationships and we develop them, we try to maintain them, and then unfortunately we dissolve many of them, what role can we see culture playing in that process?
1: Uh, culture plays a major role in anyone's life in various aspects of life. But particularly in dating, it, uh, it's, it can be from selecting a date, uh, what you find attractive, to dating expectations, to commitment norms. To perception Mm -hmm. of marriage, so huge role in a person's dating life when you're engaging in in intercultural dating. And when it comes to intercultural dating, some daters find people that are culturally different very attractive. So in a way, culture can even facilitate attraction. Um, So yeah, it plays a huge role. And if you've seen uh, a show on Netflix, it's on Indian like matchmaking.
0: Yes, that is such a good show. (laughs) I love that. Is that that's what it's called? Called, right like the matchmaker
1: yeah i think indian matchmaker
0: indian matchmaker okay
1: yeah, yeah. yes so that if is if a fantastic think, show uh, like you know if people that say oh culture doesn't play a big role would you be down to get married to someone and have your family meet them on a first
0: date yeah probably right? not that's <laughs> not what we do here that's not what we do in the states that is not the norm at all so I, i'm glad you <laughs> right. settled on norms and expectations because it makes me think of evt uh which is short for expectancies violation theory Yes. In short, the theory says that when we enter relationships, we have a series of expectations for those relationships. And then at some point, those expectations may or may not get violated. When they do get violated, we have to make an appraisal. Okay, is this a good violation or a bad violation? And when it's a bad violation, our communicative patterns change. And as such, negative outcomes are a little bit more likely. So consider, you know, some of these surprise cultural elements that appear that might go against the American norms that we're used to that could result in some potentially harmful outcomes to a relationship, yeah?
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, For example, you know, in many of the East Asian cultures, like Chinese culture, Japanese culture, when you go on a date, typically like a first date, um, if it's heterosexual couples, men are expected to pay for uh, lunch or dinner or whatever you're doing. However, in Europe, it's uh, uncommon. That's why people say go Dutch. Go Dutch means you split the bill. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously Dutch is European. And so as you can see, even the smallest thing like that is different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And those little micro violations, uh, they can add up as we know from the research on conflict. Sometimes it's a lot of little things that build up that can be potentially, uh, potentially damaging. So, um, that's, you know, that's a little bit of the good, a little bit of the bad. And this all comes back to the idea of, uh, of, of making, you know, minor sacrifices. Like when we date someone, regardless of the cultural variables at play, we do have to make a series of sacrifices on behalf of the relationship and on behalf of our partner. Uh, so my next question is how, if at all, do those sacrifices change when we're dating somebody of a different culture?
1: I love this question. When I first saw this question, I actually thought about it a lot. Uh, do I uh, answer based on a theory, a model, or just personal experience? I actually thought of this model that is highly applicable to um, intercultural dating when it comes to considering like what do we sacrifice. Mm. And in intercultural communication, there's this concept called acculturation model. Um, and it typically applies to international being in the U.S. and whether or not they uh, pick up like the U.S. cultures and customs and whatnot, but it can be applied to intercultural relationships. So in accru- acculturation model, when it comes to accepting a new culture, uh, you either assimilate, integrate, separate, or marginalize. Um, I'm going to talk about the top three, the assimilate, integrate, and separate. So to assimilate, One person in the couple mostly just give up their culture and fully assimilate to uh, the the other person's culture. So in a way, you sacrifice a lot. Uh, A clear example of this is when you see uh, completely, people completely converting to Judaism, for example, uh, celebrating Jewish holidays, partaking in Jewish traditions. Uh, Actually a Pew study in 2015 showed that one in six Jews were converted, so technically a lot of um, people choose to assimilate and basically go all in with the other culture and sacrifice their own heritage um the second the second uh strategy is to integrate which means you remain bicultural as much as possible. And I would say that that's the strategy I tend to employ. So, myself, as an example, my partner is white American. So, I want to celebrate all the American holidays that uh, did not exist in Thailand. Uh, but I also want to celebrate Thai holidays. I also accept a lot of American customs. I also teach him a lot of Thai customs. So, I mean, I get to live I feel like the best of both worlds and I try to speak Thai uh, with people in my life, my family members, my friends. Uh, I don't always completely speaking English. Um, I teach my partner some Thai as well. So that's me using integration strategy in in intercultural dating. And the last one I want to talk about is to separate, uh, which is you not partaking any part of your partner's culture. I don't think this is a great idea, uh, for modern dating. Um, this is kind of like James, the person that you said, you know, I don't see color. Um, mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. probably the same person.
0: Yeah. This is the person <laughs> it, who celebrates Christmas and then lets the kids go, uh, with, with their yeah. partner to celebrate Hanukkah with their family. Right. Right. Okay.
1: Well, like to separate means you don't take part of, of any of the partner's culture. Mm-hmm. So if I, you know, invite my partner, for example, to a temple, they might be like, oh, no, I don't do that. Right. Um, right. So they remain intact with just their own culture and they don't try to even partially integrate or assimilate. Um, I feel like a, a complete expression of separation strategy is a mild expression of ethnocentrism and whatnot and you can and you can share your different opinion if you do think differently uh, i think it's like dating an ethnocentric person because they're like you know oh i don't well, i don't like any part of your cultures or customs or uh, norms. So I'm just gonna remain myself and never take part of uh, anything that you're doing. I think it's not very romantic or sexy.
0: Yeah, and, and for those listening at home, remember on the very first episode, we talked about ethnocentrism, which is like the systematic preference that we have for our own culture. And by extension, the belief that other cultures are not as good or not as worthy as our own. So we do wanna avoid those behaviors. Um, I'm really glad that you brought up religion because, uh, you know, out here in Utah, religion and the culture surrounding specifically the LDS community is a huge factor in dating. And we're going to actually talk about it next week um, with our guest, Dr. Generous. We're going to talk about a dating app called Mutual, which is specifically for people in the LDS community. And then we're going to talk about some very interesting developments in the online dating scene but sticking on religion one of the really interesting pieces of information that i brought up uh is uh, a u.s religious landscape survey from a few years ago found that one third of married couples do not share the same faith that actually surprised me i thought the number would be much lower and the reason that i thought that is because people often do not think of their religion as being a part of their culture. They think of it as being a part of their individual identity in many cases. But we have to understand that as you defined for us, you know, a culture is merely a a set of shared values, beliefs, and, and communicative practices and rituals. And what is religion, if not all of those things, all in one. So do you feel that dating in between religions, is, I want to word this carefully, is it something that is viable in a relationship where one or both partners might be a little bit more on the orthodox end or a little bit more strict in their practice? How do we get, how do we reach out to our partner in that situation?
1: uh that's a great great point and of course you know every religion is a culture and you know for some people that's their whole life that dictates for a lot of aspects of their life including dating and marriage so lds is its own culture um judaism is its own culture so definitely a culture and uh, uh plays a big role in our lives um in relational communication, we have a term called interfaith relationship. And so when I talk about interfaith relationship, it's people of different religion being together, right? they are a couple and two people subscribe to different religion, or maybe one is spiritual and the other is not. Um, So in interfaith relationship, there's a lot of research that talks about conflict, um, but there's always a good solution to it which is you know practicing active listening and empathy um, when it comes to what's important to the other person you can dictate you know who you're dating and how important their religion is to them uh, so for some it might be extremely important I must fast on this day and I must do this, even though it's your birthday, we're not going to go out and eat until, you know, a certain time. For mm-hmm. example, uh, can you, you know, actively listen and empathize with that? Uh, is that okay that we, you know, celebrate your birthday another day, for example? So definitely, uh, uh perspective taking and empathy comes in, uh, to play.
0: Yeah. This is making me hungry. Me too. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Really the last thing that I wanted to talk about today uh, is a little bit more on the negative side. Uh, If you take a look at some of the FBI data out there, the most recent data that they have is from 2018. And what we find is that, um, unfortunately, uh, 2018 was the highest rate of hate crimes in the last uh, 16 years, which is not great. Um, Of those data, what we find is that almost 60%, so 59.6% of all hate crimes conducted in the United States of America were related to race, ethnicity, or heritage, and that another 19% were against religion. So combined, we're talking about almost 80% of hate crimes being enacted upon people based on cultural identities that they share. Now, from a dating perspective, this may mean that if you find yourself in an interracial, an interfaith or an intercultural relationship, you are exposing yourself to some pretty nasty threats from the outside world. So I'm wondering if you can just spend these last couple of minutes talking about some of the unique challenges or hurdles that these intercultural, interracial, interfaith couples experience and maybe how they can leap over those hurdles.
1: Yeah, of course. You know, when I was thinking about those hurdles, um, the first thing I thought about was there was a time my partner and I went to a sushi restaurant, and as we walked in, it was uh, predominantly one race, and I remember everybody looked at us, and uh, I felt very uncomfortable. We decided to eat there anyways, um, but I actually would have chosen to just leave. Uh, because I wasn't com- comfortable with people just watching. Mm. So definitely uh, these hurdles, these, you know, um, looks or these other nasty things do exist. And I think that's even more important to talk about it now rather than you know, shoving it to the side. Uh, one of the things that people in intercultural relationships experience is conflict in values and beliefs with their network. So maybe yeah. you are dating someone in a cultural, but then your family members and your friends are like, well, that's weird. Um, you know, why, why would you want to date so-and-so um, culture? Uh, they're weird or, you know, other judgmental terms. Uh, there's also a lot of misunderstandings based on norms. Uh, people misunderstand like, oh, uh, there's, um, there's a term called, what is it called, the minority... Um, Model minority right for for mm. Asians. Oh, so yes, there's yes. Yes. Misunderstanding yes. 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 a stereotype like, oh, you know, men like to uh, date or marry Asian women because they're model minority or mm-hmm. they're submissive. So there's also under misunderstandings of things like that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, when you're bringing your intercultural you know, partner to your network, uh, you may experience even, I mean, language barrier, for example right? Uh, Other uh, communicative norms, uh, barriers. Wow, this person talks a lot. Wow, this person talks too loud or too much. Wow, this person doesn't talk at all.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, So there are a lot of hurdles when it comes to intercultural dating, but it's worth it.
0: Yeah. And it's so funny that you mentioned the network because I actually have some data and this is not for the listeners. This is just an aside. I have some data on communication accommodation theory and the network and how people alter their communicative patterns based on their network and based mm-hmm. on their partner's network. So I am I have those data and I really want to dig into them, but I just thought that that was worth mentioning to the fine folks at home. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I, think, I think you're right. I think that Everything you said there is spot on, both in terms of what we face. And we have to remember a lot of the time, what we face in these situations uh, are not explicit. They're often what are referred to as microaggressions. And we may have to do a whole episode on microaggressions, but they're often very subtle. You walk into a restaurant and people stare at you. And so, you know, I give you and your partner props for staying there because like you said, the best thing to do is address these issues. And sometimes addressing an issue like that is something as simple as, well, we're going to eat here anyway and we're gonna get you folks used to the sight of an <laughs> intercultural couple. You hey, know?
1: I always say it's a sight of the future.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we are unfortunately out of time. There's so much more that I wish we could talk about, but we're wrapping up. So Dr. Tara, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun.
0: Yeah, tell your friends that it's not so bad to come on this show. Uh, We will be (laughs) back next week with Dr. Mark Generous. We're going to talk about dating in the online space. But until then, thanks so much for giving us your time. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. If you'd like to be on the show or have questions for us, please send us an email to redrockrelationships at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Red Rock Relationships. Thank you again. And remember, it all begins with good communication. This has been a production from a podcast studio.